Hmm, you're probably wondering how you got here. It's the Woodworking Morning Show. everyone welcome to the morning wood show i figured i'd try it on for size what do you think no no bueno welcome to the morning wood wood we've all got morning wood all right good morning everybody i'm mark and i'm nicole and uh welcome to the woodworking morning show oh oh, oh, oh sorry nicole sorry. wants to watch it too she's so excited she gotta watch it so, uh, oh, yeah, good. good morning. It's been a crazy week. Uh, I broke another bandsaw blade yeah. yesterday. Don't tell Facebook <clears throat> about it. Look, I described the difference in social media to Nicole. Let me just focus on the male side, not to exclude females. But uh, when you post on Instagram, it's like telling something to your cool uncle, yeah. right? And he may not know everything, but he's got something fun to say. Uh, and he actually might know a tidbit that you don't know. You could learn something from your mm-hmm. uncle. Uh, on Facebook, it's kind of like telling something to your grumpy dad, right? So instead of focusing on the fact that the weld broke again, you it's like, well, you didn't have a spare, so you're an idiot. <laughs> and it's like, well, look, yeah, I know. I'm an idiot for not no. having a spare. That's totally besides the point. But yeah, that's a very different personality it, on it, each it, platform. It really is. And it amazes me. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me. Well, and, and <clears throat> Facebook has done some different changes, so we see a lot of that. Well, they've made it so that I can't help but interact, even when I don't feel like it. I go into my I go into my personal Facebook page, and I'm bombarded with notifications for the page itself, the Wood Whisperer page. Me too. So it's it's an interesting thing. That's our problem, not your problem. So Uh, yeah. So I did break a blade. You guys want to see it real quick? Oh, you have a picture. Yeah, I did. I put a picture in here. Right there. So yet another weld break. Someone had said. be sure to tell them that they, it was blue. Yeah. Oh, well, I sent them the picture, uh, so they know what's up. Okay. And they were like, no, it shouldn't break on the weld. I've had people who know more about this talk to me about this, and they say that the weld is the strongest point yeah. in the blade, but it also creates what will be the weakest point in the blade just adjacent to the weld. Gotcha. Just there's reasons, right? mm. very technical reasons. Yeah. You so, should learn how to weld. <clears throat> Is what I've I got also at. gotten that's that what advice I, too. That's what I've got now. You need to take up a new hobby. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you just weld it back yourself? And it's like, well, when I have a warranty, I don't feel like, you know, I need to learn a new <laughs> oh, skill. Oh, David, don't say user error. <laughs> yeah, that, don't get me started on that. Mm. Well, I mean, at a certain point, you think so. But even the, even look, the company that I'm working with, they're taking care of me. And I don't think this is a Linux issue. I think this is the welding issue by the vendor. Um, the guy who's taking care of me, he's like, look, no matter what you did, uh, it should not be breaking at the weld. So this is the company who's replacing this now mm-hmm. for the second time. Uh, you know, not even trying to pass the fault or pass the buck, uh, which I, I appreciate. But I still, you know, my natural instinct is to be like, well, am I doing something wrong? Let me go back and watch that Snodgrass video that I made and just make sure. So anyway, it's broken. Uh, Bandsaw Blades Direct is taking care of me. They've always been great on the customer service side of things. No complaints there. But here's the great moral to the story. I called the local Rockler because the thing was I was right in the middle of the cut. I just wanted to finish this thing. It was uh, you know, my last big work day of the week, and I just wanted to get it done. So right in the middle of the cut, I'm cutting veneers while cutting um, laminations for a bent lamination. 
uh, and I have to stop working. So I call Rockler. They unfortunately don't carry blades of that size. It's 153 inch for the PM, uh, Powermatic PM1500. And uh, they said, well, we don't have that, but what you might want to do is call um, Rocky Mountain Blade something, Rocky Mountain Rocky, Blades. Yeah. And uh, it's a local company. I, I never, you know, because I, so much of what I do is on the internet. I tend to think internet and not always think local. Yeah. These guys were fantastic. I got off the phone with him, told him I need the blade as soon as possible so I can complete this job today. Um, he says, how far are you? Uh, I said, but like about 15, 20 minutes. He's like, leave now. It'll be here when you, it'll be done when you get they, here. They do, <clears throat> they make the blades themselves, right? Yeah, they do all the welding on site. So they get this stuff cool. like in big coils yeah, yeah. and then they just cut it to size. Amazing. 20 bucks. I could buy 12 of those. Yeah. And still be ahead <laughs> compared to the cost of that carbide tip blade. So I got some real soul searching to do on what I want in the world of bandsaw mm -hmm. blades. Um, but the fact that I found a great local resource like that just makes me giddy and excited and happy to know that if I am in a bind, I need someone to re-weld something, I need a sharpening done. Uh, that shop certainly, everybody's telling me who, who is in this area, like, oh, they're great. Like, oh, you, that's awesome. you didn't know about them? Well, then yeah. I saw that there's a woodworker that is like, his shop is right next to it. Uh, New Collar Goods. Yep. Yeah, they got yeah. me on uh, Instagram. I was looking at their Instagram and they made a really funny video and I watched the video and they're dancing and being silly. I'm like, I, th yeah. I think you guys would get along. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Okay. Yeah, they seem <laughs> cool. Uh, just clarification, I don't take Fridays off. I work my butt off on Fridays. I'm just not necessarily in the shop. Right. So Fridays are not my big uh, woodworking day. Hey, Charles McBride is a... Uh, Checking out my mug. Uh, it's Whitehall Pottery. Mm. If you look up Whitehall Pottery, she doesn't have any of the... Uh, this is the, the social distancing 2020 mug that yeah. I got. She doesn't have any of these left. But she makes beautiful mugs. So check her out and support small business. It is beautiful. It's all about the local small businesses today, huh? Yeah. Well, she's, she's in Pennsylvania. She's not local. Oh. It's all about the small businesses today, huh? <laughs> local or not. Uh, quick uh, couple of thank yous here. So folks helped us out over on Patreon. That's patreon.com slash woodwhisper and also on YouTube using the membership thing that they have there. The YouTube. Uh, but it's comparable. Um, just want to thank Brian Murrah, Alex Weaver, Dane Jenning, RB, Von Welch, Matthew McCall, Renzo Kalirgos, Jeff Cravenvenger, and Eddie Sanchez. Jeez. Uh, <laughs> you got the bubbles. Well, look, sometimes I, I enjoy swallowing my uvula. <laughs> It's less about a bubble and it's more about like my giant punching bag in the back of my throat <laughs> trying to go back down my mouth. So, oh, oh, no. damn you, Villa. I was getting in my way. So anyway, uh, thank you for helping support the show. We truly yeah. appreciate it. So here's the deal. Nicole is going to get all of the uh, questions she can from the live chat room. Well. And uh, I will handle all of the stuff from Patreon here. Uh, uh, somebody's asking about um, the name of the website of uh, Rocky Mountain. I'm just going to Google that for you. Just Google Rocky Mountain Saw Blade. You'll find them. I don't think that they necessarily do like um, mail can, order or I, anything. I don't know. Maybe. I looked on their website and it said to call them. Well, give them a call. I'm, yeah. What I'm saying is it's not as easy as like Bandsaw Blades Direct. Right, Go just, pick your size. Yeah. Boom, boom, boom. And you're done. Um, they definitely are a small shop in the middle of a place with other shops. And, uh, you know. With 35 years of experience. That's what I like to hear. It's it's RM. RMSawBlades.com is their website. Okay. I'll put it in the in the chat, yes. too. You got a question? I got a bunch. Okay. Okay, so real quick, uh, this is from Seth Downs. He left this comment on, on uh, 
YouTube. When's the new woodworking learning show going to drop? Wait, the new woodworkers learning show? <laughs> Are you talking about the beginner? I think he's talking about the beginner oh. course. Oh, he's saying not the new woodworkers learning show. It's the new woodworkers. New woodworker. <laughs> I'm thinking like, what show are we doing? <laughs> so we filmed that. We filmed the, I think we talked about it last mm-hmm. week, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Nicole made a quilt ladder. That's going to be the first episode in that series. And um, as far as when it actually drops, uh, I may be repeating no myself idea. here, but our editor is coming on full time. He doesn't start till March and we're waiting on that. Yep. Um, he's very, the whole thing was hiring someone and knowing that they're going to have to leave another job yeah. makes me very nervous. I don't like when people burn bridges. So I was like, look, screw this two weeks thing. Use as much time as you need to make sure you're leaving there on good terms and then come work for us. So now it's tricky because now we have to wait till March, but he's also busting his butt at his other, at his it's other already, job. It, we're already in February. It'll be March like that. Like that. Like that. Uh, let's see. I can't even read that. It's down okay. here. It's down here. So RB said, no real questions, but I found myself uh, buying more plywood to build jigs as a result of the recent guild chair project. Blown away by the detail in the Morley chair project. Well, yeah. that's good to hear. Good I, feedback. I like, I like hearing feedback. It's, uh, that is a great build over there in the guild. Uh, question here from Yoso. Going back to sharpening. When you sharpen a plain blade, do you flatten the whole back or just the tip like, like a chisel? I'm wondering because the reference surface on the plane blade is uh, the whole back on top of the frog, but in order to have a straight edge, you should only uh, you should only need to flatten the tip of the back. You're correct there, Yoso. Uh, look up a trick called the ruler trick. It's by um, excuse me. Whoa, I think it was David Charlesworth uh, was the guy who kind of brought that to people's attention. Uh, it basically involves using a very thin ruler. Uh, I've done it with uh, very thin feeler gauges. So as you're sharpening, you put that at the back of the blade, you put the you know the tip down, and you're basically angling it by like a degree or less than a degree. And then all you're doing is uh, honing that last eighth of an inch of the blade, and that actually is an incredibly effective way to get that uh, blade nice and sharp and you definitely do not need to do the entire back of the blade that's a lot of work and will take forever and there's just no need for it so look up the ruler trick uh, i got a question here from kevin smith what are your thoughts on butternut thinking of making a dog kennel entertainment center how is it to work with have you ever worked with butternut the only time i worked with butternut was when i went and uh, did that show with um tommy mcdonald oh the project we I was, did i thought you were gonna say bread no the only time I've worked I actually butternut. did consider butternut as part of that build. So um, it seemed okay. And, I, you know, the thing was when, when you're filming for a PBS show and you're the guest, you actually don't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just sit there and look at the host and uh, don't look at the camera. That's the only thing I could really remember. Uh, butternut worked just fine. It was long ago. I can't even really rattle off some properties of it. But it, there was nothing about it that made me go, oh, I'll never work with that again. Um, it was a pretty decent wood, but I'm sure some people in the chat have more experience with butternut than I do. Okay. Okay. Aaron Pena says, I need to finish a new red oak handrail for my staircase. I'd like to use Rubio, but I'm not sure the best way to apply it uh, since it's got so many curves and crevices. Also, it's already attached to the wall and I'd rather not take it off if I don't have to. What do you recommend? Just put on a blue shop towel or lint-free cloth and rub it in as best I can. Yes. Uh, look at my video on the application of Rubio. I showed how to do it on the tabletop and also said that a lot of people aren't showing how to do it on furniture. Uh, big, wide tabletops are easy, but what about something with curves and uh, rails and styles and things like that? 
So that shows you the method that I use. It's usually involving a white Scotch-Brite pad for the application and you just kind of buff it in. And then yes, you you know get a blue shop towel or whatever you want, a cloth, t-shirt, whatever. Use that to wipe it off. Buff it out if you can. If you can get a little buffer on there, that's fine. But you don't absolutely have to. So there's, you apply it like any other oil. It's actually very easy to apply on something like a handrail. Uh, and then just make sure you get some um, you know good quality blue tape or something. Mask off the areas where it joins the wall. You might even get some, uh, you know how they have the masking paper that you can use for running across a baseboard or something like that. You might use some brown paper to get the area, you know, between the rail and the wall just to make sure you don't get any oil on the paint on the wall. Got a question here from uh, John Hemastra. I'd love to know how a hybrid woodworker uses hand planes. Do you use a scrub plane or is that more of a hand tool users? So uh, not to pitch a book at you, but I have a book called Hybrid Woodworking. It's at twwstore.com. goes through all of that. Uh, to, to quickly summarize, the whole idea, well, and here's the thing, someone else may see this differently. The whole key with hybrid woodworking is to use the power tools you want and then use the hand tools you want. And however you put that all together is totally up to you. I could say for me, I use my power tools to do the jobs that are either too hard, take too long, or I just simply don't want to do with hand tools. So my jointer and planer are doing all of the surfacing, which means I definitely do not need a scrub plane. Uh, your scrub plane is there for rough surfacing. I have power tools that do that. So I think more toward joinery and finishing, right? So I will have specialty um, joinery planes like uh, shoulder planes, certain you know scrapers and uh, spoke shaves. Router plane is a biggie. This is a great joinery plane to help assist you in finessing your joinery. Uh, and then I have surfacing tools like uh, smoothers. And I also have a jack plane, which I think is very handy to have. Um, but when you go down to the rougher state of things in the woodworking world, hand tool woodworking world, uh, usually the hybrid woodworker is not going for that unless they specifically like that part of the process and incorporate it. Danny said that black butternut is like working with black walnut. Many call butternut blonde black walnut. That was the reason why I almost used it because the breadboard, yeah. um, no, the breadboard, the bread box, bread box. was primarily walnut and mm -hmm. I wanted an accent wood that would kind of look a little bit like walnut but be lighter and that's mm -hmm. why I was considering uh, butternut for that. Got two super chats. This one is from Kevin Windsor. I think I might have used butternut. I got to go back and look at the video. I think because I was looking at zebra wood, yeah. butternut, and and maybe um, spalted maple. And I think I went with the butternut. Oh, okay. Well, then I did use it more recently. <laughs> well, there you go. Sorry. <laughs> Kevin's question. I think we've had this asked before. This came before. up a couple times. Yeah. Um, I haven't really used it. I think I have some over there. Do you? But I haven't used it. And I hear it's uh, got incredible durability. It cuts great. Um, you know, I got to tell you, Matt on uh, our Wood Talk recording last night was trying to convince me to buy a Merca sander, and he was like singing its praises. And I'm like, "Are you sure it just you know wasn't the sandpaper you were using mm -hmm. that was really good?" Because uh, I guess when he went to the Crimson Guitar place uh, over in the UK, oh yeah, he was like singing the praises of those Merca sanders. But um, six hundred and twenty-five dollars for a sander? Yes. You know how much the Festool is? Four. Four hundred something. What is going on? But meanwhile, I have yeah. one sitting in my cart that I haven't pulled the trigger on because I'm like, the people must know. Is it good? I have and to buy this. And the people is Matt. The people is Matt. And you know, the thing was, he wasn't trying to convince yeah. me. But... You, you don't need a lot of convincing <laughs> to, to, try, to try a new tool. There's a super chat from <laughs> Brian Walt. 
Walford. Here's the thing. I want to try other sandpapers, but when you have a box of it, I, I really want to use all of that and then need more sandpaper. <laughs> Brian says, uh, what spray primer to use under a tinted pre-cat lacquer for cabinets? I purchased HVLP last week. Time to get going. Y'all rock. Um, spray primer under a tinted pre-cat lacquer. Hmm. Do you need a primer? I mean, pre-cat lacquer is going to do a good job of binding to raw wood. Uh, you certainly could go to the manufacturer of that particular um, lacquer, and they might be able to sell you some kind of a, a primer or something to put down as a sealer first, but I don't know that you necessarily need it. What do you need a pri primer? Well, typically when you paint, yeah. there's a primer, yeah. right? And you use a primer as a good base to start layering on the paint. Gotcha. He's using tinted lacquer, which kind of is paint-like. Mm -hmm. But it is not really paint uh, necessarily. It's just tinted lacquer. Um, I just don't know that I feel like you would need to. I mean, if, if what he's painting is dark, though, wouldn't you want the primer to make it like an even? A primer can always help. Yeah. You know, it'll it'll start, but so will multiple coats. Okay. So I mean, if you're really really concerned about it for whatever reason, just thin out the pre-cat lacquer and spray your first coat thin. Uh, consider that your base coat and then start building from there. But again, check with the manufacturer. They will probably be happy to sell you another gallon <laughs> I'm of something. Sure they would be. Um, I just don't know that you necessarily need it. <laughs> uh, you got a Patreon question for me? Uh, I, I have more questions. Tim says that butternut is also good for relief carving, from what I hear. It's relief carving. Uh, where you carve. And you feel relief. And you feel relief afterwards. <laughs> it's oh, a stress. That felt good. It's a very stress relieving process. <laughs> Uh, it's basically where the image is, how do I describe it? It's like you're, you're, you're carving, yeah. right? But the image is made in the negative. Is that is that the way you would, re like the relief is what creates the image? Ah, uh, yes, yes, yes. Okay, okay. Does that make any yep. sense? I may ha not have explained that. Hadamona wants to know if you have any more CNC projects for those as a, for those of us with no interest in CNC. <laughs> Wait, I don't understand the question. I think this, I think this. Is it a joke? I think it might be a joke. Any, any CNC projects for those of us with no interest in CNC? Sure. That sounds like something I would do. I think I read that right. That's what you wrote. Uh, Charles Neal used the Merca Sanders. It's good to know. I miss that guy. Uh, RB said the Morley chair. What's the router bit he used to do the shaping of the arm? The one he cut off, off the bearing. Didn't you show that in the guild meeting? I did show it in the guild meeting. And I'll tell you what, uh, I'm going to go to that post today because it, um, Philip did the write-ups for that. Uh, but he ignored me when I told him, make sure you put any relevant links to products that you used. <laughs> yeah. So I'm going to go in there and make sure that that uh, link is there for you. I can't give it to you right this minute, but look uh, look on Amazon for Magnet. In our Magnet. store. Uh, it's in our store. Amazon.com slash shop slash The Wood Whisperer. And I believe it is under Mark Recommends. But I'm going to put a link in the chat as well for you. It's a great bit. I love that thing. I hear a garbage truck. Uh, okay. Yep, there it is. The first thing in Mark Recommends. Just go to your... Don't ignore the chat. Do oh. the Patreon post. Oh, well, yeah. Why am I looking at chat? I don't know. Questions? <laughs> I got obsessed. I'm sorry. I'm zoning out. Uh, okay. Cole Mason. When my tool collection was fairly modest, I had no issue organizing my manuals, receipts, uh, in a binder for easy access. Now that my collection has seemingly exploded in quantity, so has the mass of random documents in my drawers, <laughs> in my drawers. Uh, any tips on how to keep tool-related paperwork organized and accessible? Absolutely, Cole. Go digital, dude. Get rid of that paper. Uh, here's the thing. 
99% of your manuals are available online in a PDF format. So you don't even have to scan it yourself or do anything goofy like that. Uh, just go get the PDF, put it in a folder, uh, you know, back up your hard drive, which you should be doing anyway, um, you'll be fine. Take your phone, go download a, you know, there's probably tons of apps that will do this, but um, since I'm a Dropbox user, I just use my Dropbox app. Every receipt that I have, I go to Home Depot or Lowe's, uh, I get into my car, I take that receipt, I take a photo of it, and it automatically puts it into my receipts folder for 2021. Uh, this is all digital. You should not have to have any paperwork. So scan or photograph everything. Get into that habit of creating digital versions of these things and make sure it's all backed up and get rid of all of that paper. Um, even for resale on tools, I don't bother holding on to manuals anymore because yeah. they're online. They also update manuals over time and mm -hmm. they typically are more accurate. So get the latest version. If not from the manufacturer, there's usually some kind of third-party website that archives these things and you could usually get it. But once you have it, um, go ahead and put that on a hard drive, save it for yourself, and then you've always got it when you need it. Go digital. It's the way to go. Digital. <clears throat> Uh, Corey Hastings, what would be a good wood to use for wooden clamps? I'm thinking about using sapile, as it's pretty straight grain, seems dense enough, but I'm wondering if anything cheaper would work as well. Oak, red oak. I've got some, um, I believe it's white oak. Uh, our buddy James King made those massive C clamps on his uh, YouTube channel and gave me two of them. Um, super nice of him, but those things are dense as, as heck, super strong, and I believe they're made of white oak. So save some money, go with oak. Got a question here from Jason Morrow. What's the best way to dry lumber? How to store it and why not? I've air? had a few bows after cuts made me think about how I was approaching it. Okay, well, I don't dry lumber. <clears throat> Excuse me, I, dry, I buy my lumber pre-dried. Um, so I'm not really the best person to ask on a lumber drying thing. I'm going to tell you to go visit my buddy Matt Cremona. That's kind of what he does all the time. Uh, so if you want really good lumber drying tips. He's the guy to talk to. If you're not talking about actually getting wet wood and green wood and drying it, you're talking about like you bought some lumber and for whatever reason it's got moisture and you're having problems, that's something I could help you with. Um, but it sounds like you might be talking about actual green lumber and how to store it and you know make sure it's dry enough to use for furniture. Back in 2017, little Matt made a video called How to Dry Lumber Outside. There you go. I just linked to it in the chat for you. He knows what's up. Did you do something on Amazon? I did. I okay. had to re-log in. Uh, Tony Tang says, so I was watching the Philip Morley table video. <clears throat> if I have templates with straight lines, can I do the Philip Morley saw flush trim technique for all of the edges? I'm just imagining if the template reference edge is too short, it could be dangerous, but maybe I can use a miter gauge with a flush trim fence. Um, since the offcut won't be waged between the blade and the uh, wedged between the blade and the fence, what are your thoughts on that? Yes. So the Philip Morley technique on this uses what they call the L fence. So it's basically a fence that's above the blade, sitting above the blade, but perfectly in line with the outside teeth. And then you can take a template on a workpiece that's slightly oversized, and that template rides along the L fence. So it's going for a nice straight line cut. But the blade is just removing it. Excuse me. Sorry. It's not going to lot this morning. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I did that on Wood Talk last night, too. I was like, guys, I got to stop. Hold on. Blech. It's not something I'm doing intentionally to be rude. Uh, but you got a straight run right along this jig, and it just cleans it up perfectly. 
The trick is when maybe you're doing the end of a workpiece and you're cutting off that end, well now we're doing a cross cut. It's got a lot of potential to move when you do that. There's not that much surface area or reference area. So it can be a little bit dicey, but the trick is you just can't be removing a lot of material. If you're just kind of removing a blade width, even if you pull away from the fence, it won't do anything. You know, it won't do any damage. It won't send the workpiece flying. So it's something where you have to really practice and understand that method to make it as safe as possible. It is what I would call a more advanced method I think it will work, and I think what you're talking about will work just fine. But if something seems like, ah, maybe I should use a miter gauge to assist with that operation, then use the miter gauge, right? If that little bird in your mind is telling you uh, that you should do it, then do it. Uh, until you get to a point that you feel comfortable doing things a slightly different way. I don't do that method. I don't really have much practice with it, but I've seen Philip do it so many times that I feel confident in recommending people can try it, but definitely try it with some reservations and some precautions. Uh, oh, sorry, I got caught up in an email. I <laughs> uh, got a question here. Oh, no, it wasn't a question. It was a comment from yeah. Andy. Andy said, I get manuals. I use, he uses an app called HomeServe. Mm -hmm. They will, if it's available, upload the manual, manuals, part replacement parts, et cetera, Ooh. for you. That's kind of cool. HomeServe. Oh, that sounds good to me. I have to look it up, see if, <clears throat> if it's on uh, iPhone. Brian Thorpe says... Mark, taking your recommendation, I'm trying to wear my respirator whenever I'm doing anything in the shop, but I was perplexed with a problem the other day. I was trying to cut close to a curved line with my jigsaw, and a line was being obscured and couldn't see it and can't blow it clean with a respirator on. Can't afford a bandsaw yet. What do you do? Well, one thing I will often do is not try to cut close to my line uh, because my jigsaws tend to... Um, waver <laughs> during the cut so if i'm really close and it decides to go this way into my line then i got problems so typically i'm far enough away from the line that's not a problem if it is though um, i've got the 3m 6500 respirator with the quick release uh, my jigsaw <clears throat> will stop on a dime uh, if it's really that bad i stop the jigsaw i flip the thing down i go <sighs> put it back up and go a little bit further and if i if it takes a couple of times to do that that's perfectly fine uh, you also might um I don't know, you got a fan nearby, something that just kind of keeps the dust moving that might help, right. or just hire someone to sit there, sit there and hold a, a hose, a, a hose? vacuum hose. Oh, I was like, why is he putting water on it? No, yeah, not a water hose, a vacuum hose. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's really not much mystery to it. You just kind of take the mask off and give it a good blow, um, or all right, I'm going to... Yeah. My mind's going elsewhere. Yeah, before. yeah, yeah, yeah. You get what I'm I saying. I got what you're saying. I got what you're saying. Um, there was some jigsaws have a little bit of air. I don't know. You know, they automatically throw a little bit, a little bit of air. Anton just had a comment. He said, "I just finished my big custom MFT workbench two by eight foot table." Oh baby! Really got a lot of good <clears throat> tips from you and your video well, on the MFT cart build. So. Awesome, man! I want to see pictures of that thing. Send me some pictures. I got a little splinter in my finger. A little baby splinter. Gonna bother me all day. <laughs> Kim Erickson says. Too many projects. So do you rank them by need, by ease, by interest? How many can you or should you do at the same time? Okay, I'm very different than other people. Yeah. Lots of people enjoy or seem to just kind of always have multiple, multiple projects. You don't do that I am well. not a multiple project person. I am very singularly focused on something and I right. need to get that job done. Uh, in fact, when I am distracted from a project and pulled into something else, it uh, causes me great angst. Yeah. I don't like it. Oh, he hates it. So 
For me, it's one project at a time. I do feel like most people would benefit from focusing on one thing at a time. Um, multitasking is a myth, and uh, you can quote me on that. Especially in the shop, I think you know, unless you have yeah. time to fill. I have so to say, I'm coming. I'm coming around to your side of thinking because I <clears throat> have been a a chronic multitasker. Yeah. And I try really hard. You got hard to... six tabs open on your browser. Uh, one yeah. is email. One is Facebook. One is a project you're working on. Guess what you're not doing well? Mm -hmm. All of them. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Focus on one. Get the job done. Well, the reason why the I next. keep the tabs open is because I don't want to forget to go back to it if I need it, you know. Yeah. So you got to find a different reminder system. Yeah. Anyway, back to the shop. I also think it's bad to multitask uh, unless you have like dead space and dead time. So for instance, a project is being finished and it's over in the corner. You're just waiting for the finish to cure. Sure, go ahead and start something else. You have time and space to do it. Why not? But actively working on multiple projects, having multiple project parts laying around, which means you then have different tools laying around, that's just a recipe for disaster. I mean, it's fine if it works for you and you're happy that way. But if you're asking for my advice, I'd say don't do it. As far as prioritizing, I've got a list of projects. I even did a story on this showing people my list of potential upcoming projects and my list of finished projects on the whiteboard. Um, for me, it's a combination of things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes there's a priority where we go, we need this, right? You say, I want this thing in the house. And I go, okay, that sounds like something. I don't feel like doing it now, but I know we need to do it. So then I do it. Most of the time though, I would say for us, it's what do I feel like doing? I've got a whole list and I go, well, mom's built-in sounds like that's gonna suck. <laughs> I don't think I wanna do that right now, <laughs> even though there is a great need. And my mom has this gaping hole in her, <laughs> in her condo yeah. that I promised I would fill with a beautiful cabinet. Right. I don't really do built-ins that well or that often. And I look at that and I go, that sounds like it's gonna stress me out. Let's do the potato bin, <laughs> you know? like. <laughs> So that's, that's what it comes down to for me. <laughs> Kevin, Kevin Windsor did another super chat. Oh, Kevin. And, uh, you silly goose. You know, he told me what that, uh, that yeah, thing means. Did. Like he a did. forestry thing. Yeah. He gave me a whole email about it. It was you're, nice. You're, uh, here it is. He said, or you just get Rob Cosman to blow the dust away. You guys, <laughs> you got to watch Rob Cosman Saw. If you haven't seen this, first of all, let's just, I'm making a joke here, but Cosman is brilliant. He's an incredibly talented person and a, and a damn nice guy. Um, but when he saws in his videos, you hear, and it's very like just the mic is picking up the blow every single time. And if it's one of those things, like once you notice it, it's going to drive you nuts. So, uh, thank me later for that. <clears throat> but yeah, Cosman is the man. Cosman does a lot of good, uh, charity work too. Uh, Andrew Cock, 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 sorry. Whoa. Sorry, Andrew. Easy, Nicole. <laughs> Josh says Koch. happy QOS, Koch. by the way. Uh, been meaning to ask for a while when purchasing from uh, the Wood Whisperer, yes. our website, does PayPal or a credit card charge at a higher rate? I mean, I'm spending $100 anyway, and I was preferring the money go to the Wood Whisperer rather than the bank. You know, I don't even know. I don't know Which should either. tell you that it's probably not it's a significant difference. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't think we would have set them up if they were a dramatic difference. Yeah, our payment processor is Stripe. They probably apply a standard fee. And PayPal is probably also applying a standard fee. Yeah. So I don't know what those fees are, but they are usually a small percentage. Um, uh, super nice of you to ask. Yeah. But obviously it's something that we haven't really given much thought to because we don't even know. I just want to provide those he options. Know. I could look it up. but Well, you don't know either. I know. I could look I it up. I could look it up too. <laughs> don't try to one-up me on this. <laughs> 
Like, I'm sitting he here. He doesn't the know, but I could go find the answer. <laughs> Nicole, you're the best. PayPal rates. <laughs> but I, I really do appreciate you um, uh, looking out for us like that. Thanks so much. Uh, so it looks like PayPal's three. You don't care about this. Nope. Anyway. Either one is fine. Thank whatever you for is asking. most convenient yeah. for you. Yeah. Jesus Rodriguez says. Today, my question is on a design process. Sometimes I have a hard time figuring out dimensions, proportions, and thicknesses so that the final piece is balanced. Well, Jesus, if it makes you feel better, me too. Uh, a couple of times I have found that the legs of a table are too thin or a tabletop is too thick. Only after cutting and assembling all of the components, what's your approach when planning a build to build a new piece? Can you recommend any books or other resources about furniture design? So when I do my stuff, a lot of times I start with either pencil and paper or SketchUp. I need to see these proportions with each other. I can't pick out a table leg unless I know what the rest of this piece looks like, right? And even then, SketchUp has let me down. There is something about a digital version of a project that doesn't give me all of the information in how it occupies actual space. So I have done this before where I go, looks perfectly proportioned, the numbers work out, but then I actually make it and I go, Ah, oh, dang. I, I wish those legs were like an eighth of an inch thinner. Uh, and that's just learning, you know, and eventually you, you learn what the program doesn't do well or what your brain doesn't get out of it and you compensate for that. Uh, so SketchUp is a great tool for that. I do like to draw full-size drawings when possible. Um, I just designed a bent lamination quilt rack for Nicole and I was really upset because I had already designed it and put it on a piece of paper. And then we did the epoxy floor project and somehow I must have mistaken it for garbage because I threw it away. So the fact that I had already gone through this like two or three, two or three day process to design it and had to do it again, I was just like ready to pull my hair out. Uh, it's very frustrating. I am not a good natural designer. So it's a lot of work for me. Um, I'm going to recommend you check out the guy I always talk about. Um, had the most influence on, on the things that like people talk about design and there's a lot of weird discussion about these things when you start to really dig into it. And if you're not a student of design, that can become very frustrating. As a woodworker, I found George Walker's teachings to be the most user-friendly with the most um, information that I could books put- Books or videos? Both, um, that I could put to use immediately, right? And that's the key. So George Walker, uh, he has a website called George Walker Design or um, oh, what the heck is the other name they call? I don't know, <clears throat> but it's, um, georgewalkerdesign.wordpress.com. He's got a bunch of blog posts. He also has a book called By Hand and Eye. And then I found on, um, uh, what's it called's website? Uh, Chris Schwartz's company. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a By Hand and Eye video course. Oh. Right? So I can uh, put the link. I should have given that to you ahead of time. Yeah, I'm. <clears throat> <laughs> I'll just put it in the chats. <clears throat> in the chat. That video course looks like something I'm going to actually, when we're done here, I'm going to go buy that right there. Uh, oh, yeah, I see it. Click I that see button. It. New design video. 15 bucks. Yeah, 15 bucks. Yeah. So George is great. I think he just describes things with ratios and in terms that I think the average person can go into the shop and start using that information and continue to use it over time. Hey, so. speaking about books, <clears throat> uh, Ryan Kiltz in the chat said, I received your essential joinery book in the mail. I love it. I have to say, amazing detail. Well, thank you. So thank you, Ryan. Really, really appreciate that. And if you if you <coughs> are watching this and you're like, what book? Mark has two books. Those I'm books. going to link to the uh, essential joinery book that uh, Ryan was talking about in the chat room. 
but uh, he also has the hybrid woodworking book. Okay, cool. All right. <clears throat> Excuse me. Devin Perkins says, Mark, how do you fold a broken bandsaw blade? I'm sure you can make this an Instagram thing. <laughs> I fold it, and, and then I fold it again, and, and then I fold it again, put and it then I throw it in the trash. Put it in the trash. Antoine Roland says, I need to refinish outdoor benches where uh, the spar urethane finishes flaking off the top. Do I just sand it back down to the raw wood and reapply? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, you could use a card scraper. If it's already flaking off, the good thing is it's very easy to remove at that point. So card scrapers are your friend. No need to turn all that finish into dust. You can make shavings and larger dust particles out of it. Um, and you can cover a lot of ground with a you know, really brittle, flaky finish with a card scraper. And even if you don't have a card scraper, you know what else you could use is a paint scraper. Uh, those little handled tools, you can get them at, you know, the home store, hardware store. Uh, they usually have like a triangle head on it or a teardrop head. Uh, those scrapers can work really well. And then there's the, I don't even know how you describe it. It's a, it's a much more sturdy kind of uh, scraper that you can use. They could just kind of take that stuff off. You're going to scratch the hell out of the wood but you will get the finish off pretty quickly. So go for that. And with that, I am done with questions and we are nearing the end of the show. I still have <clears> questions. <throat> I just got a question uh, from, where'd it go? Ah, I just lost it. Somebody was asking if you ever, <clears throat> oh, here it is. Hunter, uh, do you ever do small scale models of your furniture? How do you normally go about it? No, hail's not. <laughs> no, <laughs> you're gonna make the real version. Yeah, I'm lucky to build a piece of furniture, let alone a tiny cute dollhouse size version. But <clears throat> I do follow a Instagram account called Barbie Woodshop, and they make teeny tiny little pieces of furniture. That's pretty cool. It is really kind of. I um I admire that, and I when I see like the little yeah, you'll see like Sam Maloof. There's pictures of Sam Maloof holding a tiny baby rocker <laughs> right. that actually looks perfectly proportioned yeah. and sculpted, and I'm like, that's amazing. I'll put a, a link to one of her posts, or it could be um <clears throat> yeah, who knows? I don't know who's running the account, <laughs> uh, but yeah, little. Is that, what is that, a little workbench? It's, it's so, like a little baby workbench. Oh, it's so, so it's all in Barbie scale, like the tools and like they post videos. It's kind of mesmerizing to watch. Yeah. So yeah, Barbie Wood Shop is who you're looking for. Antoine wants to know, when is the non-essential joinery book coming out? Well, the non-essential joinery is everything else. Oh, it's a woman. <coughs> it's a, so Lost Art Press did an interview with Barbie, with Barbie's Barbie Woodshop. Yeah. So it's, it's yeah, that's really cool. A young mm. woman who's blazing and inspiring trail fathers. Barbie of Barbie Woodshop. That's pretty awesome. Uh, I admire that level of detail. I do too. <clears throat> and that scale. <laughs> I love it. It's pretty great. Scott right. wants to know, do you have an opinion of scraping planes versus cabinet scrapers? I'm a fan of the cabinet scraper. I've tried scraping planes in the past, and I just can't, I can't get behind them. I can't get the results I want out of them. Um, so typically, I just go for a much less expensive, well, maybe not in the case of the Veritas, but um, a simpler device like a number 80 cabinet scraper <clears throat> or the Veritas equivalent of that, and then also card scrapers. Um, yeah, people like different things and gravitate to different things, but the scraping plane... Uh, just felt like something like the scraper does better outside of a, a plain body um, for me personally. So, Gazang said, "Barbie's wood shop is my life right now." 
That I sounds about it. right. And Chrissy said, new measurement, Barbie scale. <laughs> Put it on the Barbie scale. Uh, Rasselin1911 said, I know this is more location specific. He's in Colorado Springs, but do you have, uh, do you buy different kinds of, where do you buy your lumber? Hardwood, plywood? Pretty much everything is from Austin Hardwoods mm -hmm. here in town. But if you're looking for other vendors, I know we have a Facebook group called Denver Woodworkers and Makers that you could ask to join. Um, and we, I have a spreadsheet where I've let the members add resources of all around all of Colorado Springs, mm -hmm. Denver, Boulder. It's a, it's a whole thing. So yeah. look for... There's um, a lot of little gems if yeah. you, you dig. Well, and there's a lot of like sawyers that are just kind of doing their own thing. They're not necessarily a brick and mortar business. They're just yeah. making lumber. Just a, a dude and a saw. Yep, that's a lot of pretty times. much a dude and a saw. <clears throat> I got a question here from Vincent. Um, will oil-based finishes like Armor Seal or Waterlocks change the color of exotic woods like Purple Heart or Pink Ivory due to the ambering effect? Yes. That was easy. They can. I mean, yeah. <clears throat> the darker the color, the base color of the wood. The, the, I think the less you'll notice it, it just kind of enhances the color. Um, so that yellowing and ambering definitely is noticeable on your lighter colors, mm -hmm. uh, but the darker it is, the less you notice it, but it's still happening. It's a question of whether it's noticeable. All right. Uh, <clears throat> All right, let's take like one more question. Tom Weatherhead wants to know, <laughs> it's kind of fitting, when are you redoing the books as audio books? Would anyone do you really listen, want that? Do you listen to him <laughs> during the morning show? Yeah, talking oh is, like, is, is difficult for me for long periods of time. I would be terrible <laughs> at an audio book. Uh, you know, sitting in the office recording an audiobook, I actually think that would be fun. Yeah. I just can't imagine, like, can you imagine, like, the Essential Joinery book, which is a step-by-step -step and picture-focused book being, like, describing yeah. the situation? I don't know that that would go over really well. Well, even Nick Offerman, you told me Nick Offerman's book that I got you for Christmas. Yeah. You were glad that I got it because you listened to it <clears throat> via audiobook. Yeah, I didn't realize how much there, like how many photos there were yeah. and how much it was focused on those photos. It kind of, yeah, I didn't feel like I was missing anything because I didn't know. Right. But then once I saw the actual book, I was like, oh, okay, I did miss something. But they did a good job of mm -hmm. not making you feel like you missed something. Yep. So that's always good. Chrissy Ward wants <clears throat> to know, scroll sanding, uh, scroll uh, sanding pieces? scroll piece, saw pieces, l the little details, what little tools best do the job? I don't do much of that, Chrissy, but... There are, uh, I found little sanding sticks where you can actually, cut, it's like got a little sanding band on it and it comes to sort of a tapered point uh, that you can then sort of rotate that sanding band to get a fresh portion of it. Um, I found those useful for really tight details. Do you make them or do you buy them? It was something I bought. They like had four different colors. You can get different grits. Sanding uh, but it's like stick. a little sanding tool. Uh, then, of course, the little rubber sanding contour grips. These little guys? Yep, those right there. Oh, right there. Sanding detail finishing kit. Chrissy, I'm going to put these in our Amazon store so you can know exactly what Mark is talking about. There is something called like a Riffler file. You could find different types of files that have very fine edges on them. Those are all metal, so they're not going to dull as quickly as sandpaper. Uh, those would be options to look into. And, uh, you know, make extensive use of small dowels with sandpaper wrapped around them. That's always an old school way to do it. There you go. Okay. All right. I think we are just about done today. I'm going to... Um, I need you to tap dance a little bit while I pull up the Patreon post. We do an after show uh, where we talk 
about just about anything. We can yeah. talk about woodworking, but it's open to... Talk about video games. Talk, talk about TV. food. We talk about TV. And uh, sometimes someone will ask a woodworking question. <laughs> sometimes. Which is always a good time. <laughs> we always appreciate that. Uh, do you need so, me to stall anymore, Nicole? Uh, so I'm going to put the Patreon. So if you're a Patreon supporter, um, there is a post that I put up every week that gets you access to the after show. If you are a YouTube supporter, you can go underneath the community tab from our YouTube page and get to the video very easily there. Mm -hmm. So here is the Patreon post. Essential Joinery, the motion comic. Uh, so there you go. That's pretty good. Okay, motion comics. <laughs> I miss motion comics. Oh, uh, yeah. I should go download a few. Yep. So thanks right. for hanging out with us. Yeah, we oh, really appreciate Oh, barbecue live it. show? No, we don't have a barbecue live show. Maybe when it gets warmer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, the barbecue thing is kind of on the side. I made a nice um, uh, bison burgers mm -hmm. the other night for me and mom. And uh, yeah, I don't touch beef they were anymore. Pretty, pretty darn good. Uh, anyways, have a great weekend, everybody. And uh, hopefully your bandsaw blades don't break like mine do. <laughs> All right. Thanks for watching. Bye. Toodles, you noodles.